morning, Aaron O'Rourke. Good morning, Dan Landrum. How are you? I'm tired. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we're getting, uh, we're doing these things early, which is good. Our, our launch time was supposed to be 7.30, but it's 8, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. Well, we, we did play around in the studio. Yeah, we did. We, what we just did is a good thing. It kind of gets geeky to begin with. This is the Dulcimer Geek Podcast, and uh, I'm Dan Landrum, and that's Aaron O'Rourke. Steve apparently didn't get up this morning. <laughs> That's okay. We still yeah. have him. And uh, we're going to jump right in into the geekiness. That sounds good. Yeah. You know, you're not really supposed to. In the radio world, one of the main rules is you don't talk about anything behind the scenes. There's this rule of no inside jokes. Oh, If you okay. want to alienate your audience... You make a statement or something that kind of leaves the audience out, right? And I think that's true of performers. Like when you're on stage, mm-hmm. if you and another musician are playing together, and you make some comment that really is only funny to the person you're playing with, mm-hmm. that's bad. I I agree. Now I'm also guilty of it, how, but I agree. You? Yeah, I think yeah. we probably all do that, don't we? Mm-hmm. The uh, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about stuff like what we just did in those last two or three sentences. Okay. Things that we think about, but you would never talk about on stage. Sure. And things that kind of go into the whole thing. And uh, we are doubling. Is it doubling, redoubling, or doubling down? I'm going to go with redoubling. I don't. I don't even know what you're talking about yet, but I like that word. <laughs> you're redoubling. Yeah. Wouldn't that be quadrupling? I think so. And if you redouble your redoubled efforts, is that mean you've done it eight times? No, sixteen. Sixteen, right? If it's exponential. Well, we are trying to become exponential in our productivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Sounds yeah. <laughs> and uh, feels like it's working actually. Aaron and I have been meeting regularly and doing two-hour practices. Three, three times a week. Three times a week, seeing really exciting progress. Right. That uh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we're getting some folks asking when the produced product is going to be uh, available after this. And I don't think we even know. Right. Have we set a goal that. for that yet? I don't think that's smart for us to do. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Well, I've found myself in one nightmarish situation before and telling people that a CD would be ready at this certain time, and it was a year later. Um, and that's when I learned not to accept pre-orders uh, oh, or something yeah. that's not done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I definitely don't want to go down that road again. Right. But um, you know, a goal might not be a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it would be wonderful just because people tend to buy things for Christmas, mm-hmm. to have something done by Christmas, but that seems a little early. It does seem early. <clears throat> yeah. To g- yeah. to give uh, uh, the podcast listeners a, an idea of what a rehearsal sound feels like, sounds like. Uh, we're doing our Monday rehearsals so far over to a friend's house who just had some serious surgery and mm-hmm. just kind of is a thing to do and it's fun. Uh, and he's got a great house too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, well, it's not so much about him. It's about what we were working on. We 
bring a variety of instruments and we're like, okay, we think we're going to accomplish this. Yesterday, we started out on this one song that I think I said before we began, let's run this one time and then we'll work on some of the new stuff. Right. And? and that was the only song we worked on for two plus hours, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But ooh, it's cool. It was mostly just one section of it, too. It was, too. Yeah. Wasn't it? It's the little transitions between sections. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I think that that's absolutely necessary, though. It's a. Uh, and for me, it's exciting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, if you're a musician. At, at no matter what your goal is, whether your goal is I want to play Carnegie Hall mm-hmm. or I want to be able to play Golden Slippers by myself at my church or something like that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> get into that uh, hyper focused area mm-hmm. of one little section. Well, one of the one of the things that I think is most interesting about that piece that we were working on uh, was how old it is. Actually, you you've how old it is for me. You yeah, mean? yeah. You wrote oh, yeah. that, or you started writing it quite a while ago, right? I'd say a few years ago. It's got to be about four years now. Yeah. See, if I let something sit for that long, it's um, like I told you. I feel like there's this immense pressure that it has to be awesome. <laughs> if, yeah, there's some I've, of that. Yeah, if I've been working on something that long, and for that reason, a lot of things that I started writing, uh if they get to be more than a year old, they, they tend to die if they're not finished. Yeah. This one's been more like a piece of fruit though. Right. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not right. It's ripe. Right. No, it's not been ripe. I pulled right. it out and you go, that's not quite right yet. But then you look at it and you go, not moldy either. <laughs> so coming out and taking a little nibble off of it. And uh, the, the analogy's breaking down sure. already. Yeah. <laughs> you could say it's, it's, it's like a good whiskey. It needs a little more time in the barrel to age. Except I can't, I've been drinking from this this barrel for a long time. I've played this song multiple times. I even performed it once, and it went just like it should have, and yeah. I didn't like it. Mm. So, therefore, I changed it. And this particular piece, not to, not to dwell too much on it, but <clears throat> I was thinking in terms of etudes mm-hmm. and and <laughs> I forgot how this even started. It's funny how these things morph, Aaron. I was trying to do a paradiddle diddle. I, I don't know what that means yet. Okay, so a paradiddle is right, left, right, right. Okay. Left, right, left, left. So just ham- hammer that. While holding the While holding a microphone, we can't do it. For the audience, <laughs> do it on your legs if you're interested. Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. It really, if executed without any accents, should sound just like you're going right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. Or like you're doing a double stroke roll, which is right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. But when you play it, it's... Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. But because you're switching the lead back and forth, that right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, it tends to get a feel. Which you could also just do with right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, okay? 
So, okay. so the so the why do it this way has to do with the fact that it's a pattern that when you do that on a hammer dulcimer in particular, you're going to create you can create something melodic without even intending to. Okay. If you have your hands in different spots, so that's a paradiddle. A paradiddle diddles where you take a paradiddle and you just add a diddle to the end of it. <laughs> okay. So the diddle being the the double stroke. Right. So it's right, left, right, right, left, left. 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 Okay. Okay. So this began saying, I want to do a paradiddle diddle and move it like Bach did. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the in the etudes where he moved, you know, took a basic form, mm-hmm. one, three, five, eight, Five three one one three five eight five three one, then moved it around modally like our instruments do so well. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to take those little modal movements and some sort of a rudimentary movement and move it around. So it started from that, but then I found to keep it up, it would have to shift from being a right lead paradiddle to a left lead paradiddle. And a, a left lead paradiddle diddle. <clears throat> it's harder to execute than a right lead paradiddle diddle. So it's left... Left, right, left, left, right, right. Left, right, left, left, right, right. Left, right, left, left, right, right. Which is starts you in your weaker hand. So I'm going to get out of this in a minute. I know this is probably boring everybody to death. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Wake up, wake up, man. Wake up, man. Almost done. But first, I'm not going to stop because I think this is extremely interesting. (laughs) Then you can take those paradiddles or paradiddle diddles or triple paradiddles. There's other ways of doing them. And instead of starting on the lead hand, like let's take just the paradiddle, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, you could start somewhere else in the sequence. And so you could start with the diddle and do a diddle para. So you'd go right, right, left, right, 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 left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right. So that completely changes still where the syncopated beats are going to come out in all this. Mm-hmm. So that's how this song began. It began as an exercise. And I played it straight for about two years. And then I just decided I just didn't like it. Didn't I mean, I liked the fact that it moved so much and it had so much in it and it sounded like Bach. But my wife even said, are you going to... She hurt this. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> my little snowflake feelings she said that really to me that just sounds like you're practicing <laughs> it, hey you know don't worry i i i had a an experience last night while i was practicing where my wife came in and said um uh hey, i didn't really realize you were even into that kind of music something i was practicing <laughs> she goes um is it okay if I close the door? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> she said it in the sweetest way possible. Of course she would. Didn't make it any better. It doesn't help. No, does not it? at all. No. <laughs> yeah, you little snowflake. You got yeah. you got melted a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> but generally, I've found that in my life, listening to my wife is a good idea. <laughs> it turns out she's right almost all the time. Oh yeah, the door was closed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean even musically. Uh, I had something in mind that I was working on that was interesting to me because it had this technical aspect to it. Sure. But to her as a listener, uh, 
it's got to be, she listens to a lot more dulcimer music than she really wants to. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of my goals is to maybe play something every now and then that she goes, that's, I actually like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I took this piece and started twisting it a little bit more and making it be more of a swing tune and found that the faster I played it, the more it moved towards bebop. Mm-hmm. And so now... That was all that to say that this thing is kind of turned into this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, to me, it doesn't feel like Bach. Not uh, at all anymore. Yeah, it's not anymore. But I see, I see. Music if you played it super straight, Bebop. Oh yeah, yeah. That's. I can tell you're proud of that I one. I am. I'm gonna, <laughs> that's gonna make my day. You look so excited. <laughs> But yeah, I can see how if you, now if you slowed it down, or not if you slowed it down, but if you just straightened it out, you took the swing out of it completely, how those those moving chords would sound very Bach-ish. Yeah, it's that but, part. Yeah. It's that part, exactly right. So anyway, I just think if you aren't letting, I think you need to go deep on something every now and then. Yeah. You know, Jarrett, was it... Uh, Twinkle, twinkle that Jerry Rockwell spent so much time just... I think he spent a lot of time, I mean, probably, but I know that he uh, he spent a lot of time with Boil and Cabbage. Yeah, just kind of working it and working it and working it and trying mm-hmm. different ways of looking at it and different moods and modes and stuff. Sure, yeah. There's a whole lot to be learned from a study like that. Yeah. It, if it's okay, before we, before we depart from... Uh, the the sway um uh piece that you were working on okay when you performed it you said it went exactly how you thought it was going to or how it should have but you didn't like it how did the audience respond to it if you don't mind me asking i don't remember them being overwhelmed in a way that made me think oh that With was just joy crazy. or sadness either way well, people say nice things. Well, sure. Like, <laughs> oh, I can tell you've been working very hard at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. But I don't remember anyone coming away saying, man, or coming back ever and saying, hey, play that long thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that that may have affected how you feel about it in any way? Sure. But... You know, Aaron, I mean, it's hard to say this correctly because you can take what I'm about to say as foolishness or arrogance. You, If you know kind of inside uh, that something's not quite right, sometimes you just need someone else to confirm it for you. Well, sure. And uh, I, I think sometimes the opposite is true, too. What do you mean? I think especially when I first started writing music, I really needed someone else to confirm that it sounded that what I was writing was a legitimate song. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The phenomenon as it happens in doing uh, studio work, like mixing for other people for money. Mm -hmm. If you're by your, if I'm by myself every now and then I'll, I, I might get a little lazy you know, because I tell myself I put enough time into this. I want to go play with my grandkids, you know, and you mm-hmm. got this other stuff. And so you might let things go. 
Whereas you can have someone else sitting in the room with you and maybe not say a word. And I think this thing happens where you begin to have an extra conscience. Mm. You know, it's like an external conscience that it's like, no, they're hearing that. Yeah. And you could maybe turn to them and go, are you hearing that? Or this is, here's what Aaron would say. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to say something about it. (laughs) 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 But that's a good sign. That's a good reason to work with people because it shows you like, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Didn't need to fix it. But then on the other hand, what we're finding in working together and writing all these pieces is that we come across, it's really rare that either one of us says, uh, I mean, it does happen, but that we don't kind of go, that was a good form. Let's mm-hmm. keep that form. We'll come up with ideas on a regular basis. You're, yeah, that. Oh, sorry, I just saw the movie Hook recently, and um, it was the bad the form. Yes, bad form. <laughs> bad form. Yeah. My yeah. favorite scene out of that is the boo box. The boo box. Oh, my kids know. Stop that, or I'm going to put you in the boo box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, remember the boo box in yeah. the book? Yeah. They toss them a little box with a hole in it and throw in scorpions and go, boo. Yeah. <laughs> we never really did that, in case anybody's wondering. Right. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you got a threat. <laughs> Especially when your kids get bigger than you. We digress. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I would say another rule that you and I have when we're composing, or I guess I've pronounced this rule. I've never heard you say, yeah, I like that rule too. <laughs> but I just sort of think, when you're working with somebody collaboratively, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to give up anything. Oh, absolutely. And just and not be precious about it. <laughs> right. Well, I think that um that's that's why there are so many solo projects among <laughs> among bands, right? Is I, I think we talked about this. Um I thought I heard uh Paul McCartney say in the Beatles that all of them had veto power. Yeah. And it got to the point where they they just knew if they brought something to the table, uh, whether it was going to fly or if someone was going to object to it, so it didn't become an issue. As a result, you had a lot of solo uh, material from all of them. Yeah, well, you um, mentioned, I don't know if that was on a podcast or just in a conversation, that it also meant that after a while they began to know what the other people expected. Right. <clears throat> and that's back to that. The really good thing about that is you, it seems mildly confining, but it's being confined that forces you to be creative. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, seeing Chris Thiele doing, I think the song was Silver Dagger. And he said that um, he was he was unable to convince the band members and Punch Brothers to do it. Uh because they said it was, they said the song was too cheesy or something like that. Right. And when he did it with, I think it was Michael Daves, when he does a duo stuff that tends to be pretty traditional in nature, um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But uh, I thought that was interesting that uh, that in Punch Brothers, where he's more or less, I, I know when I've heard him talk about it, it's uh, he describes that band as being a democracy band. Uh, but I think for the most part, he's kind of viewed as the leader, the front man. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah. I I, I haven't been to see one of the sessions, but he's such a force. Yeah. 
And he's yeah. uh, and he appears, of course, again, having not been around him on a social basis, he appears to be a force in a very gentle way. Yeah. And I think that's powerful. Yeah. So I can't imagine. I, so. I mean, if we were playing with Christine and he said, hey, you got to try this. <laughs> Both of okay. Us go, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we have so much respect for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So we mentioned, hey, let's do one of those little pretend commercial breaks. Sure. Uh, and <laughs> I'll, I'll just confess this. When I'm listening to a podcast, when the commercials come up, I tend to just, I know, I've listened a couple of times unless I'm really interested in it. Mm-hmm. I just go forward 15, 30, 45, or 60 seconds. <laughs> and, but I will tell you that if I'm listening to a podcast that I really like, I support it. Cool. And so there's quite a few podcasts I listen to that I actually subscribe to the Patreon channel for that podcast. Oh, cool. To send them a little money for production costs. Nice. We're not asking for any of that. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if we got to 100 podcasts, we might decide that uh, that it works. So this is just sort mm-hmm. of a podcast to buy Aaron's books and things that he has. And when our CD comes out, buy our book, please, so that we can continue to do this stuff. And uh, we need to get the numbers. The numbers are lagging a bit right now on Dulcimer Players News Magazine. Yeah, yeah they're a little bit down the, from what makes me comfortable. They're still up from where they were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But... We're fighting an uphill battle, you know, being in the magazine industry right. as things move forward. And the, uh, I, I know people who've listened to this podcast have heard this before, but it's still true. I got a letter just last time from somebody who said, yeah, I don't subscribe because you have too much. And you don't know if I'm going to say right now, Mountain Dulcimer or Hammer Dulcimer in it. Because it kind of doesn't matter. We get the that same letter from both sides. Right. The mountain dulcimer people think there's more hammer dulcimer. The hammer mm-hmm. dulcimer think people think there's more mountain dulcimer. It's really pretty darn balanced because I count and do my best. Not that every issue is, but I look at it over time. And I look at the number of advanced versus intermediate versus beginner stuff. You know, okay. some that are just profile kinds of things. And it's pretty balanced. And even if there is more there are about four times more articles in Dulcimer Players News Magazine now because it's thicker and we've made some other typographic changes than there were from 1975 to 2008. Okay. So there's actually more. There's The story counts just greater. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm, I know that sounds like whining, but this is the real deal. It's because really, I mean, Aaron's sitting here too and we aren't paying to come into a studio and nobody's producing this for us. Mm-hmm. We're producing it in my little studio that's probably here because of Dulcimer Players News Magazine. Oh. So the microphones we're holding, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the computer system we added on and all that. Wow. That's, I didn't realize this was all property of Dulcimer Players News. Pretty much, is, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's how we get to do it. Anyway, so do you mind? I, I know that this is <laughs> this is not the best commercial, but we we do, do you mind me asking? Uh, did you decide what you're going to do with the um, the CD content? If that's going to go digital, or you're continue to include the CD in the magazine? We got enough feedback from people that we know we can't just immediately go digital. Right. Uh, our demographic 
is is tends to be people who are older mm-hmm. and and rural sometimes. By the way, what that's the hardest word to say. Rural. See, you can't do it. Rural. Uh, I just and, saved a bunch of time <laughs> by not going rural. Rural. That's a <laughs> yeah. tough one. But we have a large rural population that doesn't have fast internet access. Sure. And so there's part of that. Now, <clears throat> I would say of all the responses we got, it's probably figures lie and liars figures. So I'm just being close here. Uh, but probably in the 60% range who said they would be totally fine with not having a real CD because they listen to everything is on a download. Okay. So, but I'm, we're not going to abandon yeah. 40% of the, uh, of our readership. So we're trying to find an option. There's this whole thing that when you're dealing with Dulcimer Players News hovers around 3,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. I don't mind saying that. That's pretty good for a niche market magazine. Yeah. Uh, now that of that 3,000, that means you're really dealing with about five to 6,000 people because people come and go and they forget to renew and they renew a year late. Okay. So you have people coming in and out the door all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, you're, yeah, it's just, let me just say, it's going to be a hard transition. The numbers, the economy of scale doesn't work for you in the print industry when you're below twenty to 30,000 units of something. Okay. So for us to say, well, just, and, and in particular, you know this, you start to get your breaks on CDs, mm-hmm. you know, based on numbers as well. Yes. So we've been printing roughly because you, you do overruns, let's say we've been printing 3,500 CDs four times a year, mm-hmm. right? So that I think that adds up to what? Let's just make it three times four is 12,000, and you add the extra fives. It's about 15,000 CDs a year sure. that DPN has been responsible for. It's really pretty good distribution and getting music out for people. Yeah. But as we take some of those out, the costs start to go up, not to go down. Right. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, there, there's just postal increases all the time. So, yes, uh, sorry for getting too too in house about this, but maybe folks are interested in this as well. So, all that to say, we I think we'll be able to survive the transition over to digital, but it's going to be tough for a few years, mm-hmm. and we're in that tough spot now. It's like uh, when you're trying to going from a controlled double stroke roll to where you're actually bouncing. <laughs> We're actually having to right now force the bounce. <laughs> yeah. Still working on that. Still working on that. Yeah. Are you working on that in your I am. Lessons? Well, yeah. yeah, well I'm still I'm trying to divide my time between um tuning the hammer dulcimer and practicing cello. Um so not not too much practice gets to happen on hammer dulcimer by the time I'm done tuning it uh, really. But uh but I'm I'm working on it. I also have noticed, and I think this is a bad thing, my tolerance for tuning has really, um, I guess, the range of uh, out of tunedness that I'm willing to accept <laughs> to Hammer has gotten a lot greater since I started learning Hammer oh, Dulcimer. No. Yeah. Yeah, so I probably need to rein that back in. They are fiddly things. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And I'm tuning a small one, too. Well, but the deal is, on tuning a small one, they're more fiddly than a larger one. Hmm. The large one is just as fiddly in the places where yours is small. Oh, okay. But once you get to the larger strings, 
I mean, the larger lengths, right? It, they tend to tune much more quickly. They're more stable. Or? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's just uh, it's. I think it's just a matter of physics. You're you've got something stretched over a short distance, and you're using a wrench that has basically the same leverage on all of them. Right. So a move of a sixteenth of an inch of your wrench at the top can change the pitch a lot. Whereas right. down at the bottom, you might have to do a whole half turn before you even start to hear it move up and down. So. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, like with mountain dulcimer, shorter scale instruments um, tend to have the same problem. Not that they slip out of tune, but that when you turn the when you turn the the tuning knob, you're going to get a more drastic difference yeah, because of the scale about. length. So is there a system that uses some sort of a a changing planetary gear ratio. Planetary gears are what I think it's, I mean, maybe there's different kinds, but anyway, one gear turns another gear. Mm -hmm. It seems like on a instrument that has those kind of, what do you call the gears that you turn with your fingers? Just gears. The, the tuners, the tuners, the tuning, yeah. knob. The tuning okay. gears. It seems like the ratio should change as you move towards short, uh, smaller strings and shorter lengths. Well, I mean, they, they make different uh, tuners with a higher ratio. So, But, if but you, you would put the, them on the whole instrument, though. Yeah. Well, with mountain dulcimer, it's not a big deal. If you're only using three or four strings, they're all going to be on the same scale length. But you're using a thicker string. So I guess what I'm saying is, I'm just I'm really asking from ignorance here. Your, and I'm explaining from ignorance. So. <laughs> your low D string. Right. If you had to pull it up a half step to be in tune, mm -hmm. how many times would you have to turn the gear, the knob? Oh, I feel like I'm in school again. Don't worry. You're not trying to get this, this done quiz. correct with math. I don't know. This is knowable I information. Really don't we need know. to set up a test. Yeah, we do. I'm just wondering. You've got some dulcimers hanging on your wall. Oh, no. I think we should save this because people will come back to listen just for this because it sounds so exciting. <laughs> 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 or How not. many times did they turn the knob? Yeah. <laughs> we could do a contest. This is the equivalent of the like the dulcimer geek equivalent of how many licks does it take to get to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. Wow. You yeah. ever tried to get a toddler to not bite it a, a, a sucker or Well, I've never really had a reason to Well, I'll um, let you try with Barrett. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, but being left in charge of Barrett terrifies me ah. <laughs> every time. Because uh Barrett, as most of you it's will know, grandson. is yeah, Dan's grandson. And he he listens to Dan really well. He even listens to Nikki really well, I think. But then whenever I'm left in charge of Bear, it's like I'm gonna find the most dangerous thing and I'm gonna go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do tend to do that. Yeah. Well, it's fun to so every now and then, not a lot, because we don't let him have a lot of sugar. But you go to the bank, it's really hard. You're at the bank. And they see that you've got a toddler or a poodle in the back seat, and they want to give the animal something, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they give Barrett a, a, a dog biscuit, <laughs> which he would eat <laughs> in a second. I bet. But you give him this thing, and you go, hey, Barrett, the, you, know, so you try to tell him, the, the cool thing here is to hold that in your mouth and enjoy the flavor without biting it. And 
and I'll say, so I'm going to do that, and you do that too. You do that too, and we'll see who can go the longest. And you could just watch the little face, like he's trying, he's trying, he's trying. Then this smirk comes on. You're like, he bit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he bit it. Yeah. <laughs> and my goodness, is that not exactly how it feels when you're playing a solo or something like that? <laughs> Bringing it to music, where you've got this cool thing you've been working on. Yeah. But you know that really you'd be better off kind of holding that back and working some other stuff around. But you get too excited. You're like, no, watch this. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> you blast through it. And yeah. then it's gone. <laughs> Sadness sets in. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying when playing solos, it's good to exercise some restraint. Yes. It's cool to just get the flavor for a little while. Yes. Before you bite it. Yes. Okay. Work it around in your mouth. <laughs> I think. Maybe not in your mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean. Well. Mixing metaphors. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of uh, kind of getting the flavor for something, we did this thing that we posted on uh, Facebook this, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and so it was Saturday. Your friend, Carrie. Right, Carrie Cooley. Carrie Cooley. I had never met her before. Was in town, and Aaron says, hey, I got a friend in town. She's a real cool singer. Let's mm-hmm. just play something with her. And we ended up with a version of Otis Redding's Dock of the Bay. Yeah. Can we talk just about the process? I'm, I'm proud of that. Me too. Uh, and, and let me uh, put a caveat in there that, I'm proud of it. If we were trying to record it to put on a CD or something like that, there's a there are many more steps that would have happened. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and it would have been refined a lot more. But <clears throat> part of our part part of my I mean, I, I, forgive me for speaking for you again. Part of what I think is so wonderful about little projects like that is it stretches you, and you've got to quickly make some decisions. Yeah. If, unless you just want to try to make a hammer dulcimer and a mountain dulcimer sound like Otis Redding's band playing Dock of the Bay. Yeah. Which you will fail. Seems like a, yeah, a bad idea. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So talk about it process wise. and Why that song? Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I'm the one that recommended that song. We talked about a few different things and the song just kind of popped into my head. I was led down the rabbit hole of YouTube at some point and uh, of old, what I would consider to be old songs that I remember hearing on oldies radio when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, oh, I haven't thought about that song in a long time. I remember coming across Otis Redding and thinking uh, on Dock of the Bay and thinking, oh, it'd be really cool to, to do a cover of of that song. And there were, there were a whole bunch more, but for that, for some reason that one just stuck with me. And so when Carrie was in town and because I've known Carrie for a while, we were, we were roommates, um, and, uh, and played in bands and stuff. And so I think I I had a feeling that she would be pretty cool with, uh, with doing an Otis Redding cover and would do a good job of it. And, uh, so I just, Threw that one out there selfishly. So okay. I like this song. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess the most basic reason is I like that song. Yeah. Well, and she delivered it in such a way that 
kind of added some new depth to the right. I like. I mean, just the way she delivered the. I can't do what ten people tell me to do. Yeah, <laughs> like that. What's a great line, right? <laughs> so I'm just gonna sit here and rest my bones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. If you haven't seen it, uh, go to Facebook and you go to my Facebook page or Aaron's, and we're easy to find on Facebook. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But it, it it was interesting when we when we got started because we we, we didn't want to just copy Otis Redding's Not band. So we were trying to experiment with a different groove. And what we settled with took a little while. It's uh, not to, where we started. To grow on us. We didn't even, we, we weren't totally sold on it the first time we did it. No, that's right? right. But now it seems like it was, it was totally natural. Genius. I, genius. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so funny. Yeah, but if we did it again, I wouldn't change much. Right. Yeah, there was a uh, one of the problems we ran into. I think was deciding where where to push certain chords. That's right, like they do in the uh, uh, on the actual studio recording. Um, and talk I, about what that means for a minute. So, um, if we were playing it straight, like uh, uh, the first fe- the first chords are G B. Uh, what is it? G B. C A is that right? G no, B C A. Okay, right. so then, straight yeah. would be G two three four B two three four C two three four A, and instead, what we were doing was something more like a G two three four B two three four C, but not every time. Right. Some of them were straight. Some of them were pushed, and um. And so I remember uh, right before we, we recorded, or maybe after the first take, I said something like, so Dan, where are you pushing those? And you said, I don't want to have to think. That's right. I, I just want it to kind of feel natural. Well, and, because I was still trying to re- uh-huh. even remember the chord progression. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree. That's always my preference to, to yeah. not have to think. But it's harder <laughs> when someone else is playing accompaniment absolutely. as well, and you have to coordinate. Yeah. And um, yeah the the other thing there was one uh, chord progression the G D to C that happens in the middle of the song for the bridge, Dun. and that we did at the Dun. end Dun. as well. Yeah. And when when you were playing. I don't think it ended up like this in the recording, but through most of the takes, you were pushing those. That's right. When it happened at the end of the song and Carrie was playing guitar, she was playing it straight. And I got that messed up almost every single time. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> when to push and when to, uh, when to play it straight. It's a... The more we talk about it, I'm like, this was a stressful thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's certainly stretchful. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And... We, we on a walk yesterday. I mentioned to you. I think the the coolest outside of Carrie singing, which is amazing, like the coolest moment in the piece, is when you're doing was just. I mean, that's not in the song. No, not at all. But now it would feel wrong if it wasn't in the song. Boom, she was singing. You know, kind of lightly. Yeah, whole lot of stuff that goes into that because she was. It's not just that we had this diva who came into the room and said 
I need you to do this and support me this way. That's the other thing that was fun. Mm-hmm. It's great working with a singer that treats their voice like another instrument. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. So how can we make this whole thing blend and everybody's mm-hmm. playing off of everyone else's ideas? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's, it's been kind of a, I would say not kind of a, but definitely a privilege for, for me. She's coming out with an album soon that's probably worth mentioning oh yeah and absolutely. um there's a there's not any hammer dulcimer there would have been if she would have met you soon yeah but uh there's a lot there's a lot of mountain dulcimer i played mountain dulcimer bass mandolin and bazooki okay. on it and it was it was a lot of fun working with a vocalist that gives a lot of freedom <laughs> to the to the instrumentation she's almost done it. with that right oh yeah this will be this will be the end. And I thought it was funny on, on Facebook when someone said, can we get her on the Dulcimer players, new sampler CD, I would buy her album. And, um, because as, as I told you before, and I think she'd be okay with me saying this, well, it's the Dulcimer world would definitely be exposed to some good, solid man hating music. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. With catchy hooks. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, maybe maybe yeah. she'll want to do that still. Yeah, that's cool. Any idea but, of release time? Mm, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no idea. It's hard but, to do. Um, it's hard to know. Yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to uh, for all three of us getting together again next time she's passing through. Oh, I'm hoping it's in a couple of weeks. Hope she's yeah. passing back through from. She's in Tallahassee now, and mm-hmm. she lives up in Louisville. Yeah, yeah she swings back through, and let's do something else. I want to do uh, Happy Together. Mm. Mhm. That's a brilliant melody. I didn't realize it until you, it's you just brought a, it up. Yeah, it's, it's one of the ones we considered doing the other day, but anyway. Yeah, covers a, are fun. Yeah, I I would need my chromatic for it. Yeah, I think I haven't especially. tried the thing. I have no idea. I just like the groove. Doom 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 doom. Mm-hmm. doom. Yeah. Uh it's we're you know it's an interesting time, Aaron, because uh we can do covers and put them on Facebook and put them on YouTube and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And we're covered. But if we record them to sell, right. different rules kick in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, I don't even want to get into it. Well, I mean, I think covers, at least for music anyway, have been a big driving force in the world of YouTube and social yeah. media. Like, um, I so mean, they're I know paying we rights just, though. YouTube is paying rights for that because they recognize that. Yeah, and that's amazing. Yeah, uh, I know we just talked about uh, Ted Yoder last, who just went viral with his cover of Tears for Fears. Tears for Fears, yeah. And um, and I know we uh, we most of us have seen the Jake uh, Shimabukuro. Yes, thank you. I never know how to, uh, no matter how I say his last name, I get corrected. It seems so. I just say Jake and let yeah. someone else fill in it's the like blank. Jake. But yeah, his cover, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And I can't think of, uh, with maybe one exception, um, I can't think of any band or musician that's gone viral on an original song. Every vi- every mm. viral music video I think I've seen with actually I would say maybe two exceptions has been a cover and a good 
outside the box cover. Sure. I think it all goes back to that. Uh, people never remember what you said. They might remember what you did, but they always remember the way you made them feel. And the advantage of doing a cover is you get to tap into somebody else's you, yeah, high school You have experience. an immediate connection. Yeah, they've got right. some connection with that mm-hmm. song that makes them feel good, and you're just making them feel good all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and not to say that you just do that because you're trying to do that, because it's you play it well because it taps into something that makes you feel good, too. It's another reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But there is another thing to that. And I don't, I hope it's okay that I, that I say this. Um, when, after Ted went viral, I, I just sent him a note um, saying, Hey, congrats. You a great job. And, and one of the things he, he pointed out was uh, he was really happy, really surprised and, and seems really grateful for having gone viral. He, pointed out that he had he had posted some other works that he was really proud of that uh didn't get this obviously didn't get the same reaction and now this is not me speaking for ted this is me speaking for me but to a lesser extent i i think we really i think most of us have had some experience where uh some original thing or something that we're really proud of didn't elicit the same response from an audience as maybe something we're a little bit less proud of. Yeah. You just have no control over that, though. No, not at all. But how does it make you feel? I don't know. I don't... I don't think I... You know me. I... I'm giving up too much here, but... I don't watch football games... I don't watch sports. I don't watch television. The, all of those kinds of things that people do, partially because they enjoy it, but mm-hmm. partially partially because they're supposed to enjoy it, not by some degree somewhere, but by it helps you relate to other people. I don't... It's not that I don't care. I mean, if I was in Ted's position, I'd be as proud as he is. And maybe yeah, even more so. Uh so that's not where I'm coming from, but I think the job that a that a school teacher does is a thousand times more important than any kind of social popularity. Well, it, yeah, that goes without saying. It, no, it doesn't go without really? saying. Well, no, it does go without saying because it's not said. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think this is the time you properly use the word literally. <laughs> And to seek, I, I just, it's maybe sounds weird coming from me because I'm, you know, I'm in the entertainment business, but celebrity is just one of the most shallow, worthless sorts I, of things I think that exist. I think you're going in a different direction. Oh, really? With this, I, I think. No, I'm, I'm um, well, I'm just reacting to the, to the way that I, f- <laughs> and maybe it's because I think about this stuff a lot. Uh-huh. I feel like uh, I want to do good work and good works. I just want to do it. And if some benefit comes from it, it's fine. It's Let me take it even one step deeper. Okay. The love that I have for my grandchildren, I hear lots of nice things back from people about how 
you know, you're you're going to have the love of those children for the rest of your life and all that kind of stuff. And I think maybe, maybe not. They could turn a corner. You know, who knows? There's so many things that happen in life, and there may be no reciprocation, and that's just fine. What matters is momentary is what you're doing in the moment and that you're living your life in a way that you feel has value in the moment. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Okay. And that's all that I'm saying. <clears throat> if it gets picked up and people go like, wow, that's all I live in this moment. Well, then that's cool. And maybe it has some benefit for other people as yeah. well. But for the most part, I think if you're out seeking that, <clears throat> you're going to end up disappointed no matter how many of those things happen to you. Uh-huh. Okay, I understand where you're coming from a little bit better now. You're still smirking. At, at, well, at first I was thinking, okay, so whenever we play the gospel medley or a fast fiddle tune or something like that, I know teachers are more important than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not where I'm coming from at all. Right. <laughs> no, I just think it's important to to have a healthy sense of what has value and be careful that you aren't letting the pop world make you think that in order to be successful, you have to be popular. Or, I mean, I have, right. I've been around stars. I've met a bunch of them. Yeah. You know, just because of the connections that I've had with, with music and just other things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are not happy people. <laughs> well, I haven't been around very many stars, but... In high school, from playing in a punk rock band, I opened for most of the bands that I actually really looked up to whenever they were coming through town. And I think that's where the whole celebrity thing kind of just got killed for me. One thing in in punk rock, it's just not cool. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. But the other thing was when uh, some of our fans actually got into a fight with the band that I really looked up to, (laughs) that just kind of killed it. Yeah. It there's it bothers me at a celebrity bothers me at another level. In that I've seen the way celebrities dismiss other people, hmm. and I think that's that's a bad thing. I don't like it, and so no matter how, it doesn't mean I, I I can't necessarily appreciate their ability to play piano or sing or write a book mm-hmm. or get legislation passed or whatever. <laughs> Right. You know, but it's all this whole culture of celebrity. If we, sorry, this is a soapbox and way, way off of music now. Maybe not. But if we value the things that matter more, like, can I tell you the coolest, the most important, that was fun what I did, what you and I did on Saturday. That was fun. But I think the most important thing that I did for society, and I believe we have an obligation. Maybe you don't, and that's I'm not talking to you, but maybe there are other people who think, eh, that's silly. Most important thing that I did all week was Sunday afternoon, I was supposed to be loading wood into the cleaning up some stuff under our carport, mm-hmm. and I heard an ukulele. I'm like, oh, that's right. Uh, Greg's daughter down the street just got one. Oh, cool. And so she's sitting out on the, sitting out on the street corner, you know, trying to play a few chords, and her sister's with her, and she was taking chalk and building this giant, you know, the game Sorry? Oh, yeah. She was building a giant, a life-size Sorry board on the street, marking it off with chalk. 
you know, wanting to, so her big sister would play sorry with her on the street. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed my guitar. I went down the street and we sat there on the curb. And for about 45 minutes or so, I helped her with rhythms and stuff. Just actually basically taking some things that I'd picked up from my lessons with you. Oh, cool. You know, when working on a good bum diddy strum and then mm-hmm. playing some things. <clears throat> and then we started making up songs to the chord progression she could do for the kids that were riding down the street holding their iPhones playing Pokemon Go. Oh. <laughs> were you heckling them as they walked? Kind of. That's, that's great. <laughs> but, but she was getting to practice. Everybody mm-hmm. was laughing. You know, some mm-hmm. young people were getting to know, you know, older people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think that kind of stuff in life, you don't get any attaboys for that. Other than you recognize this is the good stuff. Yeah. And please forgive me, sports ball fans, but the majority of you were inside watching a football game at that time. When and 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 I'm not against it, but I just think that's another celebrity culture. I think sports is celebrity, movies is celebrity, politics has been become celebrity. And it keeps us as individuals from really just getting to know our neighbors other than around these other little altars, <laughs> you know? And I think we had to just celebrate each other more. Boy, that sounds mamby-pamby, but it's really the way I feel. Well, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think yeah. it matters. Well, yeah. And it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you first started telling that story, it, I was wondering if Greg's daughter was was busking on the side of the street. When you said she was on the street <laughs> oh, corner. But her little sister said, let's go get a hat. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of something Dimitri Martin said that he started as a, Dimitri Martin's a comedian that's known for just like these really short jokes, yeah. really dry that are, yeah, they're, it's funny just how borderline they are. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, borderline he, funny, borderline right. He'll, off, he yeah. one of the one of the acts I heard. He started off uh, with his guitar, just saying, "Yeah." Well, I, before I got into comedy, I started off as a street performer. Uh, it was tough because I was in the suburbs and I lived in a cul-de-sac. Whenever someone would go down there to do a U-turn, I'd get him. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, reminds me. I listened to a story, read a story. Uh, you can look at it if you want to. It's in the New York Times today about organ grinders in <laughs> Mexico City. Well, this sounds fascinating. Yes. <laughs> it has many, many similarities to what we do. Yes. <laughs> 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 so go sign up for my Patreon page so I can grind up. Uh, <laughs> so apparently, I mean, it's a known tradition. You've seen the, you've, you've seen images and movies of somebody who has a little crank organ. You know, it's got a little crank on the side and they're, they're, they're playing the organ and there's a monkey sitting on the organ with a cup and it's a street performing tradition that's existed in Mexico city for, for years. I mean, it goes back years and years. Wow. Well, <laughs> this story was about the current plight of the street of the organ grinders in Mexico City that 
It seems they're being. It's see, you we have someone it, to laugh at. We always look for that. Well, you know what it sounds like? <laughs> organ grinders. It sounds like something on the black market. It really does. Okay, like, yeah. yeah. It's not. So get okay. out of that and yeah. don't. Yeah. So they're <laughs> they're complaining that people don't appreciate their music anymore, <laughs> and that there's more tourism than ever, but. They're walking around the organ grinders and going over to see the person who's doing the new dance moves or Aww. somebody who's, you know, selling sunglasses and or somebody playing jazz saxophone, you know, at another place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, that was the side of the organ grinders. But then they interviewed, and I'm thinking, we are not as sophisticated even as the organ grinders. <laughs> they interviewed the head of the organ grinders union. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be the head of the Dulcimer Players Union <laughs> or the street performing Dulcimer Players Union? Oh, that would be no one. Well, yeah, I can I can just see like warring factions. Now, <laughs> like a- well, this guy <laughs> who was the head said, I'm paraphrasing big time, but look it up in the New York Times. It's a great article. It says, uh, ah, they're just whining. <laughs> 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 we have oh. more people organ grinders on the street now than we ever had 20 years ago we usually had an average of 350 and now we have about 500 out on the streets doing this job and they're all just complaining they're just a bunch of complainers (laughs) i really can't get past the way organ grinder sounds i know they're out on the streets They're struggling. Well, yeah, because law enforcement's shutting them down. They're finding them. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. It's, a, it's a venerable tradition. But his final thing that he said is, really, the biggest problem is most of their organs are over 50 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and they just need to be tuned. <laughs> So that was a story that made me at least feel better about my dulcimer life today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think my I think a good goal should be to not need those stories to feel better about your career. I know, I know. I'm just confessing. I I have work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. on on that note, I um, th- there are days that I really do feel good about my job. <laughs> Just uh, I'm I'm actually leaving right now to go record some video for Dulcimer School. Oh, very and good. On these days, I I really like my job when I get to record or talk about Dulcimers and um, or teach workshops or teach to the video camera. Yeah, we're we're about a minute away from having gone for an hour, and that's about when we stop. I I just like to toss in that. Teaming up with other people who do what you do and pushing each other to actually be productive on a daily basis, at least for us, turns out to be a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) I I concur. Yeah, so geek on, dude, and have fun. Likewise. See you. Bye.